I'm accustomed to um, using the lectionary. Uh, that's normally how I do things. Is you know I would preach, I would use the lectionary, whatever the scripture was for that Sunday. That's what I would preach on. And then I came here, and and you guys are more used to doing series and that sort of thing. So I started doing some of those. But you can be pretty confident that any Sunday that I'm not doing a series, the text is from the lectionary. And uh, so that's true this morning. The text is, the lectionary text for this Sunday is Galatians chapter 5, verses 1, and then verses 13 through 26. And I want to read that to you now. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. For you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft and hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So in this section that we just read, Paul has these two lists. One is a list of um, negative, unhealthy character traits and actions. The other is a list of positive, healthy character traits and actions that we call the fruit of the Spirit. And it's fruit singular because we don't just get to pick and choose among these and say, well, I'll take that and not do this and use that and not use that. But the first fruit mentioned is love. And if we truly learn how to love, then all the other fruits flow out of that. Without love, we won't have any of the other fruit. All the other fruit flow out of our ability to love. And so let's look briefly at this fruit that Paul tells us can be a part of our lives. And the first one he mentions is, is love. It would, most of us would like to improve our ability to really love to make sure that our decisions are based on what is best for someone else, because that's what love is. Love is not a feeling. Love is a conscious decision to do what is best for you. If I love you, then I make the choice that I will do what is best for you. That's love. And to be able to do that, to be known as someone who always loves. 
joy. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Uh, according to Frederick Buechner, happiness always shows up where you expect it, in a good marriage or a rewarding job or a pleasant vacation. But joy shows up in the most unexpected places. <laughs> joy isn't dependent on our outward circumstances. Joy is an inside job. So wouldn't it be great um, to not get so jerked around emotionally by our circumstances, but to have a joy that is anchored deeper than the circumstances we face in our lives? Instead of just getting by, we might actually live with exuberance about our lives. Peace. In a world of stress and anxiety and high blood pressure, this would be a good one to have. Some inner peace. To be at peace with who you are and to be at peace with what you do. And then patience. It'd be nice to have more patience. And the Greek word that Paul mentions here it, it is a word that's it's applied particularly to people. Um, there's another word for patience that's talking about the kind of patience you have with things, like the appliances that break down or like that call you're on that keeps shifting you from one menu to another and you're convinced there is not a live human being in the building. Uh, we need patience with that stuff. But this kind of patience is with, with people. And uh, folks around us probably wish we were better at that one. Kindness. It's a simple thing. Saying thank you. Doing uh, simple things for people around us. And in this push-to-get-ahead world that we live in, kindness is often forgotten. But every time we do something that makes someone else feel treasured, what a gift that is. And, and you know, when you encounter kindness, you cherish it. And when someone has it, you never forget them. Goodness. And unfortunately, these days, goodness is often associated with being uh, goody two-shoes. But when Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, those things he was talking about was, was goodness. He was making goodness desirable. And, and by the way, the, the word Paul uses here is a word that has some backbone in it. Uh, this is some, not some weak, milk-toast kind of sweetness. This is a goodness that sees what is good and will do what is necessary to make the good happen. This word could be applied either to Mother Teresa or the Marines. So faith or faithfulness. The idea here is to be as loyal to God as God has been to us. Gentleness. And again, gentleness doesn't mean weakness. It means the ability to choose not to use our power to crush someone else when we can. It means being secure enough with who you are that you don't have to run the score up emotionally on other people. We could all use more of that. And self-control, which simply put is the ability to be free. If you have self-control, you're free. Free from our own desires, the small ones and the large ones. From the ability to pass on the cheesecake to the freedom to be able to not give in to our worst fears and prejudices. Self-control allows us to live in freedom.
And so if we, if we live in such a way, if we live in this kind of freedom, then we develop this kind of fruit in our lives. Um, my friend, uh, you know, Paul calls it walking in the spirit. Now, our friend Jerry gave me uh, a First Nations translation of the New Testament. And instead of walking with the spirit, it says that this is called dancing with the spirit. I like that. That when we, when we are producing these kind of fruit in our life, we're, we're dancing with the spirit. And, and so often we see this passage of scripture as just being about two lists. You know, bad people do what's on the first list, good people do what's on the second list. But that's really missing the point. Because the scripture is, is about telling us how do we live into that second list? How do we live lives that end up producing the fruit of that second list? You know, we don't need any help living into the first list. We're pretty good at that all on our own. But how do we live into the second list? And so that's what Paul explains to us in this chapter. Right back up in verse, verse 1 that we read earlier, it starts with how we understand our freedom. Listen to this again. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Paul, Christ has set us free. So we don't have to be enslaved to anything again if we don't want to be. I read a wonderful story uh, years ago about Nelson Mandela. When he was freed from prison, the day that he walked out, and there were hundreds of people there, the press was there, and you know, all kinds of well-wishers were there, and other folks were there. And when he walked out of prison for the first time, he said he looked around, he saw all those people and he said he saw some of them who were responsible for him being in prison. And he, and he said he felt this rush of hatred just go through his body. And then he said immediately, he heard a voice inside that he says he knows it was the Holy Spirit of God that spoke to him and said, Nelson, you have been free for 27 years. Don't let them make a prisoner out of you now. We can become enslaved to the things that we wrap our mind around that lead us in the wrong direction, but Christ has set us free. But our freedom is not about self-indulgence. Freedom is not about getting my rights. Freedom doesn't mean I can do whatever I wanna do and own anything I wanna own. And unfortunately, our political and national confusion over what freedom is has warped our theological understanding of freedom, of what it means to be truly free. Listen again as Paul explains it to us. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what it means to be free. We are free to love our neighbor as ourself. We are free to serve others in love. And that is so different from the way that we often think about it these days. 
And when you think of all the things that divide us as a nation, what if we understood freedom the way Paul explains it to us? The freedom wasn't, I'm going to get my way and I want my rights. But freedom was serving one another in love. Reaching out to one another and loving our neighbor. I believe our national debates would be different. Imagine how different our conversations would be around gun violence and abortion and human sexuality and wealth inequity and race. And I say this not as a judgment, but as an observation, is that these days most Christians spend more time watching cable news than they do reading the scriptures. And so they end up being shaped by political and cultural ideologies instead of a theology of love that comes from the scriptures. And ideologies and theologies very different. Instead of a life-changing theology of love, we have settled for our culture's political and cultural ideologies. And there are many problems with ideologies. One of them is that they shape us to believe that they are worth killing for. A theology of love shapes us to believe some things are worth dying for. Our political and cultural ideologies shape us to believe that nothing is more important than our ideology. A theology of love shapes us to believe that there's nothing more important than another human being made in God's image. And our, our, our political and cultural ideologies shape us to believe that it's worth winning at any cost and it's about winning. But a theology of love reminds us that it's about reconciliation and solutions. A theology of love brings us the fruit of the Spirit, while cultural ideologies just seem to make us fearful and angry. And Paul tells us that if we would use our freedom not to fight each other over our ideologies, but to end up you know, living out love toward one another, then we end up in a different place. If we just fight, we end up exactly where Paul said we end up. <laughs> he said, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, we must learn to live together as brothers or we'll perish together as fools. And that's a lesson we need to learn, I think, in our culture. There's a better way. We don't have to be a slave to anybody's political ideologies or cultural ideologies. Instead, we can choose in freedom to live the law of love, to love our neighbor as ourself, to serve others with love, we're free to choose. We can choose to be enslaved to political and cultural ideologies, or we can choose to dance with the Spirit. But we can't do both. It's hard to dance when you're angry. I find it ironic that the Roman Empire used 
They tried to rule the world through power and politics and wealth and violence. They said, this is how we'll change things. And there was this carpenter that nobody knew much about who said, no, actually, if you love other people as you love yourself, that's how we change things. The Roman Empire no longer exists. But this planet is full of millions of people who are still following this way of love. And they're still changing the world around them through love. And so I, I find it so ironic that so many Christians today still shaped by political and cultural ideologies, want to change the world with power and politics and wealth and violence instead of the hard work of love. Using our freedom to serve others in love is such a much better story. And it's the only path that leads to love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Christ has set us free. So let's not be slaves to anybody's political or cultural theology or, or ideology. Instead, let's follow a theology of love. Let's learn to dance with the Spirit. Amen.